You're listening to Distilling Theology. I'm Blake. And I'm Justin. And this is a podcast pairing discussions of theology and distilled spirits. And dad jokes. Amen. What's wrong with you people? You're not David. I don't know why you're clapping. I'm talking about you. Fatality. You know, starting a podcast about theology and distilled spirits is whiskey business. (laughs) I said that with a straight face. This is Distilling Theology. Welcome to the first live episode of Distilling Theology. (laughs) Can't stop, won't stop. Maryland, Virginia. (laughs) Stoked for this. We're stoked that you're here. Indeed. Andrew, Owen, dudes, be excellent to each other. Oh, not too much. We're just about to uh, crack open a little Knob Creek small batch bourbon. This is the 100 proof variation, and we've got some fun and exciting information about that coming to you shortly. I'm going to pour some now, and we'll get some folks, you know, on here watching and then we'll jump into it and do the tasting and i'm really really excited to taste along with you guys and to hear the notes that you have um when we write in so i'm not we'll get there ted uh ted asks where is the wine chair which is a reference to a meme that was posted in distilling theology earlier today (laughs) i am sorry to report that that is a myth i do not in fact own a wine chair hello from arkansas hello from the garage coming in from south florida it's five (laughs) o'clock in california well all right tennessee Excited to be not a part five of o'clock in California. That's what he says. He can't start drinking. Uh, that's just a rumor. It's five <laughs> o'clock somewhere. It's five o'clock in California right now. We know. Wow, what pouring technique, Blake? That's thank you. That was, you know, very exquisite. Here also uh, for our giveaway, we have the new distilling theology, Glenn Karens. I'm this sending the Justin old, his. This shortly. is the old one. The old. Yeah. Uh, just a matter of, we were trying different techniques. We ultimately found we like the look of this one. So we're going to be giving away one of these just to reiterate. We'll, we'll mention this a handful of times. Uh, Chuck says that he couldn't get this whiskey in Pennsylvania. The liquor stores are closed, but he's planning to go to Maryland tomorrow, uh, on the way to work to grab some liquor. So Josh always use a Glen Karen always. Yes. Uh, Glen Karen (laughs) for tasting. Um, the idea with, uh, the rocks glass is Andrew explained this super, super well in his live video, but I'll briefly touch on it. Um, with the rocks glass, all of the vapors from the alcohol basically just go straight up. Um, so when you're smelling the whiskey, which you have, you have way more sense of smell than you have of taste. Like there's far more nuance, uh, and your sense of smell is so connected to your sense of taste. So if you smell the whiskey and all you smell is like ethanol mixed in with everything, you're not going to get as much flavor out of it where the Glencairn or really any kind of tulip shaped glass that tapers towards the top. Did you say tulip? <laughs> this is the way uh, any of these kinds of, of glasses with the taper are going to help to trap the alcohol vapors, the ethanol specifically here in the bulb. And then what you're going to get is more the actual aromatic quality from the whiskey. General rule of thumb, at least for scotches is you want to leave it about uh, a minute in the glass for every uh, hour or for every year that it was in the um, cask you're in the glass are you sure about I'm that just, <laughs> i have all i've had to drink today is water and coffee so you're in the glass minute in the you're in the you're in the <laughs> cask minute in the glass that is correct 
All right, so that's what's happening there. Also, for our giveaway, hey we have Everyone's a Theologian by Dr. R.C. Sproul, which is a great uh, introduction, lay-level introduction to the study of systematic theology. He goes through the major headings and also explains why we should want to study theology. Um, I think he is just one of the most, was one of the most gifted teachers uh, the last century and did a really good job communicating yeah. this kind of information to the everyday Christian. Um, you're in the class. <laughs> you're in the glass. Rest in pieces. We're also <laughs> going to be giving away um, a copy of A Field Guide to Whiskey by Hans Afringa. Um, this is mostly going to give you information, background about like how Scotch whiskey is distilled versus Irish versus American whiskey. The different kinds of mashes, the, the effects of casks. It's not as much a flavor and review thing as it is to give you information about uh, the spirits that are being tasted. So uh, we're very excited about all of this fun stuff. Now, Justin, why don't you tell us a little bit about this uh, whiskey we have in front of us? Oh, you mean Knob Creek's small batch? Indeed. <laughs> okay. Uh, as opposed to their single barrel. <clears throat> or their rye. Uh, so don't let this go awry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Knob Creek small batch bourbon is one of four bourbons that comprise Jim Beam's small batch bourbon collection, right? So they have yeah. bookers. Aha. Behold bookers. <laughs> Behold. Uh, they also have, uh, Basil Hayden's and Baker's bourbon, which I don't think you have sitting there. I do not. Uh, unfortunately. unfortunately. I do have a different expression of Knob Creek, which is kind of an interesting thing. So basil has a couple different expressions. They have a rye, they have a bourbon, they have a few different variations within that. Um, Booker's does multiple releases throughout the year. Uh, and each release is numbered, you know, like this is 2017-04. I've seen them go up to like 06, 08. Um, Carl! <laughs> Sorry, the comments, they're just flowing in. I love it. You guys are awesome. Uh, Tanner, we are really glad that you're here in this group. Hey, <laughs> Michael is correct. Never mentioned Basil Hayden's. And uh, no, this is not a Japanese whiskey. I also have the Knob Creek uh, 25th anniversary edition um, single barrel, also non-age dated. But it tells me uh, the date it was barreled on and the proof and it's higher proof. So that's pretty cool. But anyways, yeah. as you were saying. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Beam states that the age, uh, that age, they age every batch in a maximum uh, char barrels to pull every bit of natural sweetness from the oak, yada, yada. Um, from the original le- uh, release in 92 up until 2016, they carried a nine-year age statement on their um, Knob Creek bourbons. Um, but in 2016, they removed it. And they couldn't guarantee, I guess they were having inventory issues, so they couldn't guarantee that it would be aged nine years. Um, mm-hmm. But apparently, this year, 2020, they're bringing that age statement back. Is coming back. I I don't know how the coronavirus is going to impact that, or if it if it will at all. Ooh, we don't know. Good but, point. But um, yeah. So Blake, what are you getting on the nose, or do we want to hold on? We're gonna hold for one moment okay. because I want to get a few more folks on. I want to give everybody an opportunity. So for you guys, I would say uh, while you're chilling there, if you have your Knob Creek, go ahead and pour it. If you haven't already, let it sit mm-hmm. in the glass because while it's still a non-age stated whiskey. Um, Based on the information I could gather, it's usually a blend uh, of whiskeys that are anywhere from like seven or eight uh, up to 10 or 12 years. So you want to still, even though it's it's a bourbon, it's a small batch, 
Um, it's not a scotch. It's not anything kind of crazy. You still want to let it sit a few minutes in the glass. So we're going to do that. Uh, I think we should open with a prayer from the Valley of Vision, since this is still technically an episode of Distilling Theology. Indeed it uh, is. And we do open in prayer. So, Also, I like Grayson's comment that there is a sense of decorum brought with the matching flannels, and I appreciate that because it was uh, this unintentional. was 100% accidental. The, the worst part is Blake stood up to get something before we started recording, and we're also both wearing green pants, which was uh, unintentional. So that's just, uh, you know, fools seldom differ, I guess. <laughs> well said. Well said. Uh, so what what are we reading today in Valley of Vision to open up our uh, prayer? We're going to read, if you have a Valley of Vision, which I know many of you do, uh, page 108 and 109 is a Christian's prayer. Um, so if you'd like, I can take the reins. Yeah, let's do it. All right. I always feel like saying, let's bow our heads. <laughs> but I can't read if I'm doing that. That's true. Blessed God, 10,000 snares are mine without and within. Defend thou me. When sloth and indolence seize me, give me views of heaven. When sinners entice me, give me derelish of their ways. When sensual pleasures tempt me, purify and refine me. When I desire worldly possessions, help me to be rich toward thee. When the vanities of the world ensnare me, let me not plunge into new guilt and ruin. May I remember dignity and my spiritual release, never to be too busy to attend my soul, never to be so engrossed with time that I neglect the things of eternity. Thus, may I not only live but grow towards thee. Form my hand to write notions of religion, that I may not judge of grace by wrong conceptions, nor measure my spiritual advances by the efforts of my natural being. May I seek after increase of divine love to thee, after unreserved resignation to thy will, after extensive benevolence to my fellow creatures, after patience and fortitude of soul, after a heavenly disposition, after a concern that I may please thee in public and in private. Draw on my soul the lineaments of Christ in every trace and feature of which thou wilt take delight, for I am the workmanship created in Christ Jesus, thy letter written on the Holy Spirit's pen in thy tilled soil ready for the sowing then harvest. Mm. Amen. I really, I'm really glad, Justin. A few, uh, a few months ago, Justin had recommended that we start opening the episodes um, with a prayer from the Valley of Vision, and I think, for me at least, it's helped to ground uh, what we're doing. Because as as fun as we try to be, as much uh, you know, dad jokes and talking about whiskey as we as we engage, um, at the end of the day, this is ultimately uh, you know the combination of distilled spirits for the glory of God and the that's study right. of theology, which is for the glory of God. That's right. Um, and that's really where it all comes down to. So thank you for, uh, for commending that to us on the show. So if you guys haven't picked these up, uh, I highly recommend, uh, this compilation of prayers. It's a, it's a combination of prayers from, uh, the Puritans and they're organized by different topics and there's just that kind of depth and richness in them. Uh, so I super appreciate that. Ryan says he's watching distilling theology by the fire tonight. Hey. I wish I was by the fire tonight. I, I'm enjoying these comments about how we at least have pants on. That is true. <laughs> this is good. This is the way. Uh, we also have a couple of our Patreons listening tonight. So hey thank you to all of our patrons who help make Distilling Theology possible. Just want to give another big thank you to all of you guys. Um, really, it, it just helps us to turn out more content uh, and to keep the show going to help us mm-hmm. cover the costs of, of hosting the audio files online and the website, stuff like that. So... We appreciate that. 
We do. All right. Now, let's all, uh, whatever we're tasting, if you're not tasting Knob Creek, comment to us what you're sipping tonight. Uh, but those that are tasting Knob Creek, we're going to go, we're going to see how this goes. Because <laughs> there's a little delay. <laughs> um, so we're going to take, we're going to, we're going to go for the aroma. Um, and I would be super curious to see what you guys are getting on the aromatic quality. Uh, so Stuart's asking about posting a photo in the thread in live videos. That is correct. You're not able to post photographs, but you can post it in the group later. So Indeed. I would love to see that. Uh, Ryan is drinking Booker's Kentucky chew. Ooh. Uh, okay. that sounds exciting. So yeah, so let's see what we get on the aroma. Now, one thing I wanted to talk about with, um, regard to the, to the aromatic, which again, if you haven't seen Andrew's video, I highly, highly recommend it. He goes through all this stuff about tasting. I'm just going to hit it real brief here. Um, you want to get acquainted with the, the aromatic quality. So you want to kind of bring it up to your nose. You don't have to like put your nose in the glass, but you want to be close. That's to what it. I do. I love yeah. it. Dig it right in there. Um, and one thing that, uh, I find helpful is a lot of times you'll smell and you'll have your mouth closed. Mm-hmm. Keeping your mouth open a bit. Right. And so if you, if you open your mouth ever so slightly when you're smelling, what's going to happen is the ethanol is kind of going to roll through your sinuses and kind of out your mouth. Like it's, it sounds weird, but try it, try smelling your whiskey. Tasting water does count. Try, um, smelling your whiskey with your mouth closed and then try it with your mouth slightly ajar or slightly open. (laughs) Sorry. Someone made a comment about a door being ajar the other day. And I was like, (laughs) that door is not ajar. It's a door. It was pretty great. It's funny because I almost said that just now as you said that about being a jar. I don't know why I said that. It can't happen. Lumber yardy. This is good. A lot of oak, lumber yardy, apple. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. David says he's getting notes of alcohol. I think we're on, we're on <laughs> something here. I think he's here. right. Uh, there's definitely some vanilla. I, get, I definitely get the oakiness. So the other, the other trick to this that I recommend to people is to go for multiple smell like get get multiple notes on the aroma uh michael has really good notes there baked apple baked heavy apple. oak and cinnamon mm-hmm. vanilla uh jonathan says peanut butter i don't smell peanut butter but that's okay there's no wrong way maybe he had uh, a pb and j before taking a sniff man. brad says super oaky joshua also gets notes of apple that's a note that can be present that's true Right. Yeah, it's 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 a simple whiskey. And ultimately, you know, we voted for this because we wanted you guys uh, to do something that. Uh, that we could all kind of sip together. And the great thing about Knob Creek for the other. Oh, yeah, Ty, I did see that episode of, of the Whiskey Vault guys where they did get peanut butter. Um, so there is something. And that's another thing is we all have different palates. We all have different um, mm-hmm. olfactory senses. So we're going to have. <clears throat> different experiences, but we can still kind of get a general sense of what's happening. These comments are flying in. I love it. It's great. This is going to make, uh, this is going to make doing our, uh, spreadsheet a little bit more difficult later. <laughs> That's all right. It's good. It, it'll be worth every, every bit of it. It'll be great. Yeah, it's awesome. You guys are amazing. Andrew makes a really good point here. He says, um, what's interesting is how people will interpret the same note as either sweet Oak or vanilla. They are smelling the same compound, the vanillin from the cask. Yeah. Thank you, Andrew. I didn't know that. And now I feel a little bit smarter. <laughs> Getting lightheaded. Okay, so yeah, so make sure that you uh, inhale oxygen in between. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sorry. Uh, is there caramel? There is some caramel. Yeah. There is, there is. 
Uh, but again, the thing about Knob Creek small batch is this is about a like the full size, which I didn't buy. I bought the half size for 15 bucks, but the full size is like 30 to $35. So it's a very, very good budget bourbon. We've had a couple questions about that in the Facebook group, which mm-hmm. is always one of my favorite things to ask. Cause like, that's where I start. That's where everybody started. Um, definitely seeing the Oak vanilla. It's funny, uh, to Andrew's point, there's a lot of that Oak vanilla. Yeah. Ooh. And Ryan is smoking a cigar. Oh, de Montre Excalibur apple and vanilla. Oh, Oh, Blake with the uh, pronunciations. <laughs> One of these days, I'm going to embarrass myself so badly by super, super confidently saying a pronunciation of a name or of a term, and somebody's going to call me out on it so bad. I can't wait. It's going to be great. It is great. All right. Andrew says, tremendous cocktail bourbon. I agree. Stuart says, getting whiskey smarter. And ultimately, Woo-hoo. that's what this is. It's not just about whiskey business. <laughs> I didn't, Chuck didn't realize how he envious he'd be after watching this without actually having the bourbon. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Well, that's all right. If we do another live episode, assuming this doesn't go completely off the rails, um, we will probably do another one, do a similar vote thing, but we'll have kind of more, more plans. <laughs> Brad says more names. Uh, Wilhelmus Abrakel. <laughs> it's actually Wilhelmus Abrakel. There you go. <laughs> how do you say Jonathan Edwards, Blake? <laughs> Johan, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Oh boy. We haven't even tasted like so we haven't even just, tasted it just yet. so you guys know, this is what our patrons get uh treated to every week with the, mm-hmm. the live video. They get to see our nonsense. Um and part of that is like this isn't an act. We are just this tacky, goofy. Yeah. We yeah. almost thought about doing the episode live, like doing the intro live. Uh do you guys want to see that? Do you guys want to see us attempt to do oh, our boy. own intro live? On that note, uh, you know what they're going to say, Blake, you know what the people want. I'm I'm just throwing it out there for democracy. (laughs) The first 10 chapters of Chronicles for the names. Uh, Probably not. (laughs) Probably not. See, apparently I I'm able to do the Dutch. Okay, Josh says yes. I guess we should do that before we taste it and it and it fails because we probably won't be able to do this later. So. (laughs) I'm so I'm so glad I'm I'm so glad this is happening. <laughs> All right, <laughs> sounds like a train wreck. <laughs> Get ready. Yes, hey, Joshua. Joshua. That's Woo-hoo. right. Getting uh, all this good stuff. And also, patrons get exclusive bonus content, extra episodes. They get to vote uh, next week um, for. So this episode is going to live here in the group, but it won't be posted on our actual podcast feed until a later date. We'll save this for rebroadcast on the on the audio waves. Um, as a, like a rainy day episode. All right. So people are, the people want it. So we're going <sighs> to. This is everything. your idea, Blake. I know. This I know. Is your all right. Idea. All right. Here we go. Now you're in front of an audience. I know. Now I actually have to do it. All right. I'm not even going to remember our own intro. I'm not either. <laughs> you're listening to Distilling Theology. I'm Blake. And I'm Justin. <laughs> this is a new podcast. <laughs> Combining discussions of theology with distilled spirits and tad jokes. Amen. What's wrong with you people? I don't know why you're clapping. I'm talking about you. You're not David. This is fatality. This is distilling theology. Justin, how you doing tonight? Oh, you know, Blake, I'm doing well. Well, you guys are. Welcome for that nonsense. Mm. Uh, 
Michael asks, what Ardbeg is behind me? I'm not going to get up and grab it, but that is the Ardbeg tenure. And I also have um, Blade and Bow, uh, their small batch bourbon. All right, let's taste this before we lose everybody. <laughs> this is amazing. Right. Yeah, well. <laughs> this is distilling theology. All right. Uh, and now you guys get, this is like behind the curtain here. Since this Justin is. and I are living two hours apart, uh, we're going to say cheers. Now they get to hear all the sloshing sounds from our mouth. Yeah, see, <laughs> when somebody made a comment about that to me, I started editing all that kind of sound out in the pauses on the actual podcast. If pastors because were birds. Kind of like... <laughs> wow, these sound effects are professional. All right, what are you tasting? Like, I'm getting a lot of. Uh, I do see that like... brown sugar. Mm-hmm. I get cinnamon, like in it's the definitely... middle. Brown sugar. I'm getting almost like a. Like a light oak and creme brulee kind of. Ooh. Yeah, it's, you know. Mm. <laughs> it's good, though. There's definitely that cinnamon you were talking about. There's some vanilla. Yeah. Even some honey, a little bit. Yeah, boy. It's going well. It's mm. going well. Oh, we got a few. Thank you to those of you that are joining us on Patreon. I'm going to drop the link again just for Woo-hoo. a few others. You guys are amazing. We yeah, love you, you guys. Uh, all right, so. They amplify the sound effects. That is full show. We do. Indeed. Uh, okay. We hate Michael. sound effects here at Distilling Theology. Yeah. Somebody once asked me, um, Blake, why do you do so many sound effects? And I was like, look, because I'm not that other reformed podcast where two white guys talk about theology uh, and, and drink, drink alcohol. alcohol. <laughs> so got him. Uh all right, this is good. We got notes. Samuel saying notes of apple pie or cherry. Mm-hmm. Nathan saying sweeter than expected. Matt like saying toasted creme brulee, toasted oak. Yeah, apples, cinnamon, green apples from Bradley. Uh, Christina saying honey. Um, Welcome to Ro- Robert says it's five o'clock anywhere, and that's true. Uh, Michael <laughs> says if you like that vanilla pecan brown sugar, add a drop of water or two. So that's mm-hmm. a really good point that we talked about in this past episode. I'm definitely going to ruin this because i don't have my eyedropper but i'm gonna try i'm gonna try to just do a drop or two because i'm not trying to dilute the whiskey better than trying just... to do it with my uh, nail gene here i'll give it a shot <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it oh yeah one drop two drops <laughs> nailed it i i was gonna make a comment about that but i'm not ready all right so now i added a few drops of water and basically what that will do um is force ethanol to re like reshape a little to be more efficient because of the way uh that the molecule is structured and how it interacts with water and so that's going to release more of the flavor molecules in that process so again you're not looking to bring the proof down necessarily though you can certainly do that um but this is just going to help you get more notes indeed kenny says it's like eating breakfast oatmeal with cinnamon and sugar and i was like yeah buddy Mm. Ooh, Sam, Sam, which, wow, that um, changes it a lot. which Knob Creek variant are you sipping? That's right. Stuart says, don't drown your whiskey. Yeah, science. This is like a live reading. <laughs> of the, uh, well, in my defense, when I was working at the speakeasy bar in Albany, New York, my bar manager was a chemist and I heard this stuff nonstop, basically every single night. And then I started reiterating it to every guest that I would serve whiskey to. Um, so it just kind of got ingrained. So there it is. Let's see what we get now. Hmm. It changes it up quite a bit. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm getting wow. a lot more of the fruits. Mm-hmm. A lot more of the apple. I see that. I see that nuttiness, like that pecan, mm-hmm. like caramels, pecan, brown sugar. I mean, it is very sweet. It's very sweet. Noah said he's drinking the rye. So, yeah. So, this is now Creek. Um, hey, what three are you guys? patrons, guys. Thank you so Thank much. You, you all awesome. are amazing. Um, this is so cool. We love it. Yeah, boy. Uh, so, as you guys are sitting here, I just saw somebody ask to join the Facebook group. So, I'm going to hop over and see if I can toss them in. Do it. Agreed. All right. Do it. Get to the job. Still struggling to open his bottle. <laughs> you know, I've been there. I was there earlier. That's why I opened it before we started recording. Yep. Yeah. Sweeter. No, Naomi <laughs> says that it's sweeter with the, the water added. And that is definitely true. Yes. Stuart says, wow, that makes a difference. Uh, the high West variant. That's good. Uh, yes. So for the request, the only thing is if you invite your friends, just tell them, make sure they answer all the membership questions um because we've had requests that have sat there for like a week and people don't respond so we just clear it out uh so re-add your re-invite your friends and ask them uh just make sure that they do all the all the entry questions indeed uh yeah yeah, yeah the water's great this is something about um cocktails as well originally cocktails were super super simple it was just like hey here's booze here's bitters here's a little sugar and here's a little water because ice wasn't available uh, and it's kind of playing on that same idea of we're going to take these different elements together to draw out a new sense of flavor. Um, <clears throat> Booker's Booker's pull tab. Yeah. Oh, John is going to be Woodford tasting right. double oat. That is something we'll be tasting sometime. We Dude. tasted uh, one of the Woodfords on an earlier episode, and I completely forgot what it was. Sorry, I just knocked over my uh, obnoxiously, offensively large lip balm. Wait, wait. You mean this offensively large <laughs> lip balm? <laughs> yes, that is the one. Oh my word! This is uh, this is kind of like okay. We're we don't plan this. <laughs> no, really, this is intentionally I, not planned. Right. Like oh and now, I will say we do a little bit of episode planning. Like we plan what we're going to taste, mm-hmm. what we're going to talk about. We usually have a few notes on the whiskey. We have a few notes on like I don't know the theology. <laughs> Usually. <laughs> yeah. None of the other stuff. The rest of the stuff is all usually very candid. It's just like between Blake and myself, we have like 32 something years experience yeah. being in front of the public, uh, public speaking, uh, engaging with people, um, marketing, um, all that kind of stuff. And so like, it's not new for us to be talking with people and being like live yeah. and candid. And yeah. so like, but because of that, and just because of the friendship we've developed over the years, we, we just kind of have like this natural back and forth. It's um, something. <laughs> and we're so different, but we're so similar in so many ways, which makes oh, yeah. it interesting as well. So, oh, show. Uh, Michael says the Knob Creek bottles are terrible to try and open on the fly, unravel, pick with fingernails. Cuss under your breath. <laughs> Tear some more open. First pour generally has wax in it. Maybe most likely. <laughs> and then Kenny also mentions that if you pour it, let it rest for a while. It's similar to the drops of water. Um, and that is true. Though the only thing about letting it rest. So if you let it rest for too long, like if you let it sit out for a couple of hours without touching it, it's going to oxidize and change um, 
So yeah. And Andrew says overall he prefers this sans water, and I think generally I agree with you. Um, the benefit I just of the said water we was affirm. Awesome. <laughs> nice. Hey, yeah. Andrew also joined Patreon. Thank but you. But did you use the tag group? <laughs> X. This is the way. <clears throat> Alrighty. Uh, so, yeah, one one minute per ten proof. I like it. I like it. I like all these rules. You guys are great. Wax seal is annoying. Now, what's funny is You're like, right, Becca. Um, the one for Maker's Mark is generally, I find it a little bit easier to do. Naomi says a good knife comes in handy to open the bottle. That is very true. Always carry a knife. Indeed. Always. Indeed. <laughs> oh, old school, my friend. Old school. Well, I mean, uh, that was another thing this week that I just uh, I just did was I got a, um, that I'm going to knock over and break everything. I got a... Uh, uh, book stand at the recommendation of some friends in a different group and this is like <laughs> one of my favorite things <laughs> mike can you guys be any cooler using duke gannon products no we couldn't be any cooler we are try. peak cool also this you may not like it but this is what peak cool looks like <laughs> we also have our d- new distilling theology rocks glasses uh, which will be thrown out oh yeah it's 3 a.m how are we all here <laughs> Big facts. Uh, Justin, on that note, speaking of book stuff, what are you reading right now these days? Well, <laughs> uh, as you all know, if you Brad are not says he in our... car- prefers to carry a machete. <laughs> <laughs> and Josh is asking chilled Yernay. Um, I say it's ultimately you, how you want to sip your whiskey is how you want to sip it. If you're going to chill it, though, it is going to change the profile in a way that um, is not necessarily going to be conducive. Uh, to discovering new flavors. But if you just enjoy it that way, then do it. Like, um, before, yeah, Sam said merch, before we jump into what we're reading, um, we are in the process of uh, figuring out merchandise and setting up a store. Um, we need, uh, we need some patrons. We need some more patrons to make sure that, uh, the store is not only, um, that we can actually, basically what that would do is that would ensure that the store is, uh, able to be up and running and that yeah. we can uh, actually get quality merchandise. We, want, we don't want to give you guys garbage. So right. we want to make sure we can get you quality glasses. That's why we're testing these different uh, methods of, of laser engraving versus sandblasting on the Glencairns and things like that. Right. We want to yeah. get the best quality products in your guys' hands as well. So for all of you patrons that just signed up, um, thank you. You guys are putting us that much closer uh, to getting uh, merchandise uh, available to you. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because it also costs money to host the online. Like, so, so hosting mm-hmm. the audio files costs money. Hosting the website costs money, uh, and then hosting the the online store costs money. So these are all things that we're hoping to to cover so that we can get them out. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, and that's not including any of the the software or hardware stuff that we need to run right. the podcast and so on. Whiskey. So anyway, anyway. Uh, if you guys aren't already in the Distilling Theology Reading Group, uh, yes. you should join that and pick up. Uh, Herman Bobbing's wonderful works of God. Mm. We are reading through this as a group. Um, it is fantastic. I love yeah. it. And um, so I'm reading that. I know Blake is also reading that. Uh, today, uh, I'm only going to mention one of these. Uh, I'm only going to be so controversial on the podcast uh, live, but I also uh, got a book on post-millennialism because if you don't know, I am a post-millennial. Um, I'm like Blake. I'm like a positive Blake, you know, I'm millennial Blake over here. So, uh, I got He Shall Have Dominion by Ken Gentry. Um, this actually, I didn't realize till I got it. I opened it up and saw that it was actually signed to Dennis, Grace and Peace, um, from Ken Gentry himself. So that's really cool. Wow. 
Um, I am also reading a couple of other books. Uh, <laughs> um, so that's exciting. Uh, let's see here. I'm reading through the Institutes right now, Kelvin's Institutes. Same. Um, I got all my books over here. I just finished a book called The Sacred Search. I'm reading through Van Til's. I just started Van Til's Presuppositional Apologetics. Nice. as Christian Apologetics book, which is <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Um, Van Til's great. He, he's wonderful. So I'm reading through those right now. Um, there's a couple others I'm, I'm kind of picking up and reading here and there. And then, sure. of course, through the Bible through a year chronologically. Yeah. So um, yeah, boy. what about you, Balake? Well, I'm also working through The Wonderful Works of God by Herman Bavink. Um, <laughs> Andrew said, so basically you're Doug yeah. Wilson. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> and as Tony and Jesse said on their podcast, when they were introducing uh, one of the other podcasts in the, in the Society of Reform Podcasters, um, the Bobcast, he's like, yeah, so basically they're doing what every other 35-year-old man is doing right now and reading Bavink. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, for those of you who don't know who aren't patrons or weren't um, in our reading group, we are now officially part of the society of reform podcast hey yo. so hey that's pretty cool yeah it is a uh, doctrinally sound podcast from a reformed perspective so as you said we we have no problem recommending the other podcasts in this in this uh, lineup we don't know if they would say the same yeah <laughs> <laughs> hey hey uh another patron jake Whoa. welcome well up. this is yes. amazing you guys are awesome you know i'm gonna i'm gonna have to find another patreon uh recognize recognition track beyond the price is right theme because it's gonna get so worn out when i play (laughs) oh man it's amazing it's so good but yeah so i'm reading uh bavink i'm also working through um institutes i'm reading through the bible in a year and he's reading the messianic revelation of the old testament okay and i'm also i just Listen, re-listen to this on Audible yesterday, and I'm going to sit down and re- reread the book um, before we get into it. But it's mm. All That Is In God by James Dolezal. So when I when I listened to it on Audible, I I think I slightly undersold how technical it was um, when I talked about it on uh, episode 21, because he's very in-depth. He's very nuanced. It's pretty dry, but it's also very, very important content. So for those of us that are like... If you've read Everyone's a Theologian or you're working in Bavink, you can follow what he's saying. Like he he does a good job of bringing you up to speed. He'll present, okay, here's the classical doctrine of divine simplicity or divine immutability. Sure. Um, and here's what that demands. Here's mm-hmm. the the implications. Here's a few texts of why that's there. And now, you know, here's all these alternative views and why these views came about because they see X, Y, or Z as an exegetical problem. And so they present solution d um and here's why solution d doesn't work <laughs> uh and it's 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 great uh stewart said he's reading holiness by jc ryle which is a iconic classic we affirm uh holiness <laughs> and david says dolezal is the man and that is no true. you you're the man david what are you guys reading we're g- obviously you guys are already jumping in but what else are you guys reading uh, nathan is reading the lord's service jeff myers and baptism three views uh I mean, that's the main thing. I'm listening to some books on Audible, but that's kind of an ongoing thing. So, ooh, yeah. Taylor's Taylor's crushing it. Wonderful Works of God by Bavink and The Mortification of Sin by yes. Owen. Yeah, boy. Spice. Your Best Life Now by Joel Osteen. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, Matthew, welcome. Welcome to welcome. be a patron. Whoa. We're happy to have you. We are just... This like, is crazy. This is amazing. You guys, you guys are, are the amazing. best. 
That's not actually why we did the whole episode. But no, <laughs> I didn't expect to, uh, that at all. Yeah, yeah. But hey, all right. Noah's reading Wonderful Works of God, The Christ, the Covenants, Covenantal Sweet. Apologetics, Progressive Dispensationalism, and Andrew is reading The Whole Christ, Finishing the Whole Christ. And Nathan, oh, Nathan's finishing The Fellowship of the Ring. Dope. Samuel says, if you don't Chronicles audible, of Narnia. you aren't living your best life now. We affirm against the papists. Narnia is amazing. Amen. Bonhoeffer. Very interesting. Yeah, good stuff. Interesting now, character. Let me ask you guys. Do you all have Stoony. any, yes. any questions for us to start uh, <laughs> to us? Because we had we could. So what we're thinking is from here on, we could either like respond to questions, which is what we'd love to do. If you guys have questions or comments, um, post them and we'll respond to them. Or um we could just talk about what we're working through in bavink so um yo uh tanner is memorizing the book of james sick that's impressive and uh tozer tozer is mm. my favorite non-calvinist he's awesome his holiness of god is or knowledge of the holy is unbelievable how long does one take a look at the patreon uh as long as it takes for one to decide to become a patreon <laughs> uh, if you go, if you become a patron today, you will <laughs> unlock access to forty-eight exclusive posts. That, that was the best. <laughs> Kevin's reading "Chosen by God" by R.C. Sproul and the yes. Mortification of Sin by Owen. Twelve to fourteen hours a week internal audit study material. Impressive. <laughs> okay, Michael's asking uh, ESV versus uh, New King James Version and why the Elect Standard Version, of course. <laughs> Done. Over. Sold. Uh, so I personally enjoy both. I read the mm-hmm. ESV because I find it more readable overall. Um, but I think the new King James, like I like the King James. I like the new King James. I like the NASB. I like the ESV. Um, I like the CSB also. Yeah. yeah there's a, there are a lot of very good English translations. We're very blessed in that regard. There's also a yep. lot of bad ones. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Don't read the, um, What's that? What's that one? That the Passion Translation? Yeah, don't read that. Yeah, that's don't garbage. Get that. And the message. Uh, the message is. Uh, I don't think that's a translation. That's a. Um, it's a paraphrase. It's a paraphrase, and yeah. It just in a few spots the paraphrase just completely butchers the meaning of the text. Yeah, but there sure. are other there are other areas. I will say this for the message, uh, which <clears throat> will get me you know in hot water in other groups. But I think there are certain passages where the paraphrase is beneficial when it's understood that it's just a paraphrase. Um, Chuck's also reading Gary North. I think Chuck and I are on the same page. Here. <laughs> Kenny's reading Just there. Do Something in his Sunday school class, which is a great Yay. book on the will of God um, and and guidance and direction from a reform perspective. It's just a primer. Like it doesn't, it's not super deep. It's like a hundred pages. I read it in an afternoon uh, yeah. by Kevin DeYoung. Brad yeah, is anyway, reading. Oh yeah, sorry. I was just going to say regarding the translations. Um, yeah. There's a lot of thought for thought translations and then there's word for word translations. Um, the ESV is yeah. more of a, a word for word. Um, so it's a little bit more literal. One of the reasons I like it so much, um, I use an ESV for studying my Reformation Study Bible, which I use yep. uh, primarily for studying. I carry an ESV with the creeds and confessions to church. Yep. Um, <laughs> I read uh, my Bible through years at CSB. Um, so there's a lot of translations to choose from. Just do a little bit of research, um, kind of what you're looking for. Um, but they're all uh, New King James. That's what we use in our church generally uh, for the sermons. Um, you can't really go wrong. There's we're we're. In America, especially, we are like gagging on Bibles and Bible translations. Yeah. So you, it's really hard to go wrong, um, unless you go into some of the weird, small, weird translations. Right. That, Once you start to get into the stuff where people are, when their express goal is like, we're here to, um, you know, 
we're, we're trying to get, get back to the actual Bible and yep. everyone's been wrong all along. Like that's generally, yep. and David's got a very <laughs> good point. Everyone should read multiple translations. And I agree. Yes. I've read through the Bible in KJV, NASB and ESV. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm planning to continue to expand that out. So, you. <laughs> uh, Chuck says he's a card-carrying, theonomic, post-millennial Christian reconstructionist. I'm just going to say, please don't get into fights in the com- in the comments because I know we have a lot of... And one thing I, I do want to say to all of you guys, I know I say this like every week on the podcast, but I appreciate that we've all been level-headed. We've all been able yes. to engage in conversations that are serious, that do have weight. There are um, real-world implications of the views that we are, you know, challenging each other on, but I've appreciated that like we haven't had to lock comments on any threads or shut down posts because it was getting too spicy. Cause ultimately we want this to be a fun place to hang out and talk about theology. Um, and I really appreciate that you guys are into that. Yes. Pick one translation and never read anything else. Says Samuel. <laughs> a brief summary of the exclusive psalmody position. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> Okay, I, I talked about this a lot. You've yeah, talked about this a lot. Um, so there's the regulative principle of worship, which right. kind of is an overarching view of mm-hmm. uh, what I would say is probably the, the reformed view of worship. In other yeah. words, um, uh, we only we not only do in the worship service and, and on the Lord's Day, we, we don't only do what is not uh, just strictly forbidden from Scripture, but we only do what is strictly uh, affirmed by Scripture, only do what God commands right on the Lord's day and for worship. The uh, exclusive psalmody position is essentially uh, going another step and saying that when the scripture speaks of uh, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, that that's all referring to different psalms and and types of uh, scripture. So ultimately, you would only use psalms for singing for worship on the Lord's day. Not that you couldn't, you know, be out in your car listening to Christian music. That's not, not an issue. It's just... Uh, regarding the Lord's Day, regarding um, worship yeah. together, uh, corporate worship, um, that you would only be singing psalms to, uh, together. Um, usually yeah. that's also accompanied without music. Um, yeah. I actually went to, uh, to a um, a Presbyterian church uh, that was exclusive psalmody, and it was great. I loved it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, I will go, I will probably go again. And it was wonderful. Uh, yeah. Rebecca came with me. It was uh, it was a great time, and um, I don't hold to exclusive exclusive psalmody. I, I do right. affirm the regulative principle, um, but I don't I don't go to the exclusive psalmody camp. I don't know. I don't think. Where do you stand on that? No, I, I'm not an exclusive psalmodist, but I have immense respect for those who hold the position. And mm-hmm. and the other thing that I do want to say about that that um, less when he was on Tony and Jesse's show, the Reform Brotherhood. Uh, uh, mind you, a couple months after he was on our show talking about spirit and truth, but uh, neither here nor there. <laughs> it's he weird on, that came between part one and part two. Of our crazy. <laughs> How'd that happen? Uh, but when he was on there, he made a comment that like a lot of the, like the guy, the, the pastors who are, you know, exclusive psalmist and the theologians who hold that position will stand side by side with other Christians at these church, con- you know, a big the conferences on reformed theology uh, together for the gospel, um, the Ligonier conference, they'll sit there while the, the hymns are being sung and they personally won't sing, mm-hmm. but they're not going to wave their, like the, so the pastors of these churches, the theologians who hold this view, who are mature in the faith. It's not like they're browbeating everybody else with no. you're in sin because you're not doing this. But if you encounter exclusive psalmists on the internet, I find not everybody, but generally I've seen a lot of them 
tend to be browbeating and, and, and argumentative and, and uh, I feel aggressive. like that's true for most internet people. <laughs> you yeah, get on the internet, sure. you become a keyboard warrior, you're more bold, you're less likely sure. to uh, be compassionate because you're not actually speaking directly to a person. Um, yeah. I've been guilty of the same thing where I get Absolutely. on and I, I get badgering somebody unnecessarily because, you know, sure. I'm right and you're wrong. So, right. <laughs> but um when right. I when it's I was studying right, when I was when I was studying the regulative principle and exclusive psalmody, uh, there was a period of time where I was unsure on mm-hmm. where I stood, and so for the time being, I just abstained from singing um, anything but psalms in church because sure. I I know one thing's for sure: we are commanded to sing psalms. Yes. So I knew I couldn't go wrong when we were singing psalms, but I was yeah. unsure about everything else, so I just abstained for the time being, and yeah. um, nobody said anything or did, you know did yeah. anything about it um and then i came to the conclusion that i'm i'm not <laughs> um sure. but i yeah. totally have like you said i have total respect for those who do and um i would never want to uh, bind the conscience of a fellow believer um right unnecessarily so yeah and i think i like what chuck said he's like he enjoys hearing guys who don't necessarily hold to it giving respect instead of trashing it <laughs> Stuart, think, we're not supposed to be starting a fight right now stop it <laughs> we'll, we'll save that for another episode which is coming some point, but not yet, because we still got to get through systematic theology and a few other be- beefy topics. Um, yes, and that is one thing too that that Justin and I don't obviously don't agree on everything. There are a few points where we <gasps> what have, I know we have major disagreements on a few major and significant issues, and yet there's unity and fellowship in Christ. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what um, I mean. I, I think I heard Piper saying it this way once. Yeah. Um, Obviously, when there's two opposite opinions about a particular issue, let's say baptism, sure. somebody's right and somebody's wrong. Um, but he, he, I think it was Piper who was saying, regardless of which side you stand on, if you're truly seeking after the heart of God and you're truly uh, being biblical in your approach to trying to understand what God's word is saying, that there's no, um, there's no necessarily, it's not necessarily sinful in that, in that case to be wrong in that way. Um, yeah. because like, for example, it was with a debate with three different people talking about post-millennialism, amillennialism, right. premillennialism. I've seen this. They're debating yeah. it. Yeah. And he was saying, look, uh, I think God is still glorified, even though somebody here is right and somebody's wrong because yeah. we're all seeking after God. We're all opening right. his word and studying his word and, and digging yeah. deep to try to find the truth. Um, yeah. and so I think the same can be said for a lot of these different issues. Uh, like you and I disagree on eschatology. Yeah. Um, for example, or on uh, yeah. the law and the uh, the affliction thereof. Sure, yeah, <laughs> uh, and other yeah. things. So, but yeah, we're we're, we're still on the same team. We're still right. brothers in Christ. Right. And ultimately, uh, Christus Kyrios, right? Christ yeah. is Lord. Right. Amen. And regardless of whatever else separates us, the unity there is so much greater than those than those things that separate us. Um, right. And. Now, that's not to say, like, we've had conversations about denominations, right? Like, there are different denominations because there are nuanced interpretations of how Scripture deals with specific issues. Um, And that's okay. Like, we're going to have different convictions. We're never going to agree 100% with another person's interpretation. We may agree generally with a certain stream of thought. Mm -hmm. Um, But that doesn't mean that we have to be overly divisive in the sense of, you know, throwing stuff at other people. So. That's kind of my thought. Josh says he has to bounce. I'm so sad. But thank you, good sir. You will be missed. You shall be. The nice thing is you can catch, uh, you'll be able to catch us later um, if you do have to leave. That's true. Uh, 
Enjoy your fillet, Josh. Yeah, man. <laughs> so that was a great question about exclusive psalmody that spun off into like three other topics. So does yeah. anyone else have any other, <laughs> any other uh, questions for us? Like the, any other theological they ideas? They could be theology questions. They could be personal questions. Mm. They could be, is Blake single? Uh, I mean, <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> uh, they could be questions on um, whiskeys, dad jokes. Uh, also, speaking Work. of Patreon again, uh, those of you that just joined will now have access to our little admin chat where we had some of the Distilling Theology admins on with us. And we discussed things like the ontology of dad jokes. So, like, I mean, it was an exciting time and there's going to be more of that. Uh, we so didn't have more. we didn't have all our admins available at the time. It's true. Uh, and we will, uh, we will get all of us together sometime and you'll get to meet some of the guys that moderate the group and admin the group uh, and keep you guys all keep you beasts at bay. No, I'm just right. kidding. You guys are awesome. Bradley, um, I'm not going to pull a Kenneth Copeland and say it's a long two full of demons. <laughs> no, but I will say. <laughs> COVID-19. Low, the, wind the wind of God. God. <laughs> on you. <laughs> oh, that was right. amazing. <laughs> uh, Brad asks, is whiskey better? And he has whiskey without the E, meaning Scotch whiskey. So the answer is an unequivocal Yes. Yes. Uh, we affirm together against the papists. <laughs> Becca wants to know what your phone number is uh, for all the, uh, you know, people um, that might be interested. I'm not at liberty to disclose that here. He doesn't have a cell phone. He's an Adirondack man. Uh, okay. And then we've got, uh, I put whiskey on my ice cream. Was I wrong? No, that is not sin. Uh, in fact, in the book of second opinions, uh, chapter five, verse 16, <laughs> we affirm this. <laughs> uh, uh, no, actually I think it's in the, um, the second uh, uh, Hagendas confession <laughs> that affirms uh, that. Matt wants to know what uh, our pre- preferred rye is for mixing. Ooh, okay, so pers- so Knob Creek rye is fantastic. I don't have it here with me, but I do have it in the house. Very affordable. Uh, Rittenhouse rye is my go-to. It's about a $20 bottle. It's bottled in bonds, so it's at least four years old. It's 100 proof, um, and it's just really, really good cocktail rye. Alternatively, uh, old Overholt bonded rye. They have a, mm-hmm. a non-bonded that's 80 proof, and they have bonded at 100 proof. Uh, is a great mixing rye. Again, the thing with that that you're getting is less than 25 bucks for the bottle. 100 proof, so it holds up really well against dilution. That's that's my thoughts. What are your favorite? Uh, favorite um, well... As someone who's clearly the expert on mixing drinks, um, I, I don't even mix rye. You know, I, I just, I stick directly with, um, uh, beer. I mix my, I mix my beer. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> with, um, with a glass, uh, the beer with the glass makes a great, uh, uh beverage. With the water. Yeah. With I mean, the, the air. <laughs> the, the oxygen. The oxygen. Uh, honestly, um. That prohibition style Jim uh, Beam rye that we that we uh, tasted early on, yeah. Um, I feel I don't know because I have I don't mix drinks, but I feel like sure. that would actually be pretty good for yeah. It mixing. would be. It would be. Um, a few others. Uh, I mean, those are really the main ones. Like Bullet Rye is a little pricey for mixing <laughs> personally, um, but let's see. Brad says, "What are your favorite cocktails?" Uh, my go tos on any give like. Like if I just want to sip something and I'm not trying to do anything special, I, I'm going to make myself a Bovardier, an old fashioned, uh, maybe a Negroni. I'm lately I've been making myself a Mezcal Margarita, but that's kind of at the mercy of do I have limes and do I feel like doing the work? I'd rather stir a cocktail most of the time. So like old fashioned, 
Old rummy. fashions are great, man. I yeah. love old fashions. Super good. And, uh, and good old Moscow mules. Heck yeah. <laughs> How do you uh, interpret and apply the second commandment? Before Ooh. you jump into that, since yeah. we're on mixed drinks, fair enough. Uh, Kenny wants to know the perfect ratio Knob Creek to Kool Aid. That is up. I'm uh, gonna throw that to you. Yeah. So for every um, for every four ounces of Kool Aid, you want to put in two ounces of Knob Creek. Yeah, that's good. I got uh, I, I do see a few other questions here that are a little shorter than that one on the second commandment. So we'll come back to that. Uh, any infringement if I open a bar and call it distilled theology? Uh, yes. <laughs> Uh, because uh, we're going to do that 100% at some point. Uh, Becca Definitely. wants to know the most controversial viewpoint that we each hold. I know mine. <laughs> yeah, I know yours too. I don't. I honestly don't know what mine would be. Probably Calvinism. Not not <laughs> controversial. I mean, seriously, like that's yeah. probably the most uh, controversial yeah. mainline view. That would be true for both of us. Yeah, that would be true for both of us. Uh, within the Calvinist circle, I'm a theonomist, so that mm. uh, that's quite controversial. People either love it or hate it. And yeah, uh, I am totally okay uh, with uh, being on, um, wait for it, the dividing line, but I'm oh not boy. talking about the podcast. <laughs> oh my gosh. That was good. That so was I have met James White. He's amazing. Yeah, it's good. Great now guy. we're going to get that crossover. Uh, the most ambitious crossover Hey-o. since Avengers Endgame. Uh, Brad <laughs> says, if someone were to watch Tiger King, what would you recommend that they drink with it? Well, first of all, I would say uh, that's a matter of personal conscience. I'm not going to bind anyone's conscience and say you should or should not watch uh, a depiction of total depravity. For eight hours, but that is a uh, matter of conscience. With the same as Jello. Um, if you were to do it, I would say probably drink that screwball whiskey that tastes like peanut butter. That would probably be the most ap- that pro- is, appropriate thing you could do. Oh, that that makes perfect sense. Right. That's because, mm, yeah, it's uh, something. I actually have a bottle of that. Nolan asked me, uh, uh, he says, there are some, some awesome beer cocktails out there. Have y'all ever, uh, y'all ever have a flip cocktail? Actually, yes. So flips are one of my favorite things. I actually did a live video a couple weeks ago where I showed uh, a variation, like a flip cocktail style. And Irish I have done, Yeah. <laughs> and I've done flips um, where I use beer. I've also used beer in effervescent cocktails. So I made an Americano variation. Um, but instead of using tonic or club soda, I used an IPA. So that's what gave it the bubbly quality. <laughs> it was actually super interesting. Uh, All right. Second commandment, Blake. Come on. Answer the question. <laughs> uh, so I, I'm i still studying it as far as what the reform position is. I understand why the reform position historically is what it is. And I have nothing but respect for it. So I'm not going to comment much beyond saying that I'm, I'm jury still out as far as the interpretation for me. But I recognize the argumentation from the reform perspective and I respect it. And that's why we're a confessional group. That's why we um, have those rules, because ultimately Mm -hmm. a lot of our members do hold that position. And we want to be cognizant of being a blessing to everybody in the group. Uh, And if that means that I can't post a funny meme um, because it has, you know what I mean? Like that. that, I think that that's the least that I can do because I agree. You know, that's my perspective on it. And uh, I'm, I'm working on it. At the moment, I'm not. I'm not convinced uh, sure. that the second commandment necessarily prohibits images uh, specifically of Christ. Um, I do understand the position. Um, yeah, I, I could be convinced. I, I'm still open to. I'm always. I'm always going to be open to to what uh, what what's biblically true. Uh, I'm, right. Regardless, I'm never going to put my foot down and say no. If you could prove to me biblically, I'm not going to change my mind. Right. Um, I've I've seen a ton of great. Um, arguments for it, and and mm-hmm. I have nothing but respect for people who hold that uh, conviction. Um, sure. In the same way that I don't uh, uh, affirm infant baptism, for example, uh, I have nothing but respect for those who do. I understand the heart behind it, and the and I understand the um, 
the argumentation for it. Uh, although y'all may argue that I don't understand. I do. I just don't agree. <laughs> and, sure. um, but, but I have nothing, but I would never want to, um, uh, step on the toes of anyone who holds those convictions because I totally have respect for that position. And I, I, I actually have admiration for those who hold to that view of the second command because I know it's coming out of a heart of reverence and awe in, in wanting to honor God in the most, um, glorifying sure. way to him. So, sure. um, right. But yeah. And ultimately that's what we're all striving for right? Is how do we love the Lord, our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbors I, ourselves. I want to read this comment real quick from Kevin. He says, yeah, thank you good. all. Uh, to everyone in this group, I very much appreciate the grace everyone seems to show towards these different positions. I'm in the reform camp, and I'm often disappointed in how people are often treated. Class group of people. That is exactly, um, that is exactly the whole point of the group that we created. We wanted to create a group where people could feel comfortable sharing their convictions um, and being open and being able to have good biblical conversations with sure. uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, unlike some other reformed. Uh, Facebook groups where uh, where people it's almost like people are trying to convert fellow Christians <laughs> sure. to Christianity yeah. and and yeah. uh, we want to make sure that we keep and maintain uh, just a level of um, mutual respect because we're all in the same team here right. uh, we yeah. want to love each other we don't want to um, so yeah that's we, we love hearing that feedback that's amazing we that really appreciate that and that's what we're that's what we're aiming for yeah and to that point I also want to say like just because we are a confessional group, not everyone in this, in our group is confessional or is reformed. Um, and that's okay. Like that's the point. And if you have a question about a reformed perspective, please ask it in the group. Uh, all that I ask and, and all that we kind of ask as admin team is that you ask in a respectful tone that you don't come out swinging something, you know, as an example, using Calvinism as the example, that's the easy target to say, well, what does, does the God of Calvinism, you know, if you start your sentence like that, your your post will probably not survive. Yeah. <laughs> right. um, but if you say, hey, uh, I'm I, I just don't see why this, you know, I don't understand. Can somebody explain it to me Yeah, and then not argue with everybody when right. they explain it to you? Um, I think that's really what we hope for in this group. And it's what we've seen. There was a question a couple uh, earlier this week about house home churches, which depending on your church polity, mm -hmm. Um, there's a wide variety of perspectives there. I'm not going to get into the specifics of those, but I appreciated the charity in those comments and the way that people um, addressed it, I thought was very mature and becoming of believers. And so I'm appreciative of that. Ty said, are we for or against the gospel coalition here? I'll just say this. Uh, take every article that you read from the gospel coalition uh, one, one, one on one. You're going to sure. get with any, with any online uh news or articles that you're going to get, um, you're going to have hit, hit and miss no matter where you go. Um, so I would say use discernment like you would anywhere else on the internet. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Brad says, Blake, can you tell us about the grass in Israel? Um, so two years ago I got to go on a trip to Israel, which was pretty, I, it, it was awesome. I, um, and you and I maintained a Snapchat streak the entire time you were in Israel. That's really embarrassing that you admitted that, but <laughs> there we are. Uh, also through the Congo when I was in the Republic of the Congo. Um, but to the point about Israel, um, uh, Oh, I have to answer this. Jonathan Wood says, how about Paul and Pren? Uh, 
trash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Basically, pulpit and pen is what happens when people get on their high horse so high that they forgot uh, that they have to climb down off of it at some point, And they just decided that everyone else is dumb but me. Um, and they start writing scathing things about people that totally misrepresent and mischaracterize fellow Christians. Um, and I can't. So, you know, to what I just said about showing charity to the opposite side, things like that, where people are openly slandering and, and propagating false statements about fellow believers um, is mm-hmm. a violation of the commandments of God to, to, uh, you know, believe the best about that. And um, to, what does it say? Hope uh, or, or love believes all things, endures all things, hopes all things. And that's in reference to our love for one another, that we assume the best of the other person um, and places like pulpit and pen do not do that. So uh, we, we uh, deny pulpit and pen. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I, I don't mean to speak for you, but I, <laughs> what's our, no, I, I affirm. We affirm. Yeah. Um, Ted said, what's your position on Mark Driscoll? <laughs> uh, I have a soft spot in my heart for Mark because he's the reason that I'm a Calvinist. Uh, God is ultimately the reason, but God used Mark to, to bring me into the Calvinist camp. Um, yeah. it, which ultimately led me to Piper, to Sproul, uh, and then to everybody sure. else naturally through there. So, um, and I was a very angry person, <laughs> So I think I identified a lot with him as well. Um, sure, yeah. So so I do have uh, love for him, um, but yeah. I think he's in a position now where he probably shouldn't be uh, pastoring. Yeah, he um, needs to repent, and he needs to right, right. There's, get under there's good eldership. Basically, like he needs to submit to whether whether you're a congregationalist or a Presbyterian. There is there has to be accountability for the yeah. pulpit, um, yeah. for both. The, the content of the doctrine preached, but also for the ministry and for the, the pragmatic aspects of that and how you treat the other people that you engage with. And, um, you know, but it's something that we, we should pray for him. We should absolutely pray that he seeks that reconciliation and, and, and has humility. Um, but I'm also not in any kind of yes. position to Sproul, directly address. It's Sproul. Sproul. <laughs> also, how do you say um, the author of the wonderful works of God? Because I think you say it incorrect. Me? <laughs> yeah. I, I go back and forth between Bavink and Bavink. It's Bavink. Yeah, I go back yeah. and forth. Oh. I, listen, I, I speak <laughs> I speak English here, okay? I, I speak, speak Central New York English, so I, it's whatever I decide. That <laughs> sounds like relative. Yeah, sometimes you're Blake, sometimes you're Balake. You know? According to what standard? <laughs> <laughs> listen here. Don't you go all, go all Vantillian on me. <laughs> I'm the presuppositionalist here. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, it's Sproul. It's Dr. Sproul. Yeah, it is it's definitely Sproul. Yeah. How do I but feel? Yes, I said Sproul because I can. Get out of here, How do David. I feel about Paula White? Um, these are like really intriguing questions that I can wasn't I ready quote, for. Can I quote MacArthur? <laughs> go for it, please. Go home. <laughs> Well, except I think in the case of Paula White versus the Beth yeah. Moore situation, um, yeah. Paula White needs to return all the money that she has stolen from people by mm-hmm. pretending uh, to have this ministry. And uh, just like Kenneth Copeland, just like all these other prosperity preachers. dollar. Exactly. I never <laughs> asked you for a dime. We're believing for 300 people or 3,000 people to donate $300 for this jet. <laughs> A long never, tube full of demons. Yeah, uh, basically anyone, anyone in that, um, like New Apostolic Reformation, Word of Faith movement, the um, the prosperity gospel in general, health, wealth, prosperity, 
um, yeah. we affirm against. Because Who's got the best reformed memes? Ooh, that's a really good question. Honestly, it's probably our admin group when they make memes yeah. about us versus uh, the other podcasts. Yeah. We can't share no, all those a, in public. No, 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 no. They will eventually. Uh, anyways, um, how do I feel about insert person? That's funny. Yeah. Uh, if I had to trade, whoa, that's a that's a hard. Listen, question. listen. No. <laughs> no, no, no. We don't do that here. That's interesting. Uh, Actually, yeah, that's a good question. That is a good question. Uh, someone who would you trade me for, Blake? Come on, no, you first. <laughs> Can it be anybody? Is anybody living? She says currently living. Anybody currently living? Who could I trade? Mm. Costco is a cult. <laughs> <laughs> To that question. Shoot, that is a hard question. Um, well, I, I know I wouldn't pick Jeff Durbin because I'd never get to speak. And I love the man, but boy, he he talks, he, you know, he talks. Yeah. <laughs> um, mm, honestly, anybody alive? I don't know, man. That's a hard question. Yeah. Because none of them are going to have the chemistry we have, Blake. That's facts. None of that's them are going to wear green pants on the same days. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, I don't know. That's a tough one. Uh, I So if I had to pick somebody contemporary right now, it'd probably be uh, Dr. Joel Beakey or Dr. Michael Horton, just because then I would just sit back mm-hmm. and be like, so Dr. Beakey, what yeah. about this thing? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, the man who's read all the Puritans. Well, I don't know if he's read all the Puritans, but he's read so much. He's studied and exegeted the scripture frontwards, backwards for decades. Uh, That's what I would, that's where I would go. One of those guys. I, I I would almost want, I would almost want to have Vody Bauckham. Yo. Because that man, man, when Mm. he, he gets going, ah, fire dude. I wonder how he would be on podcast versus preaching to a congregation though. Well, the thing, I feel like he would be more fun. Like not that, because some of his sermons, he, he gets pretty funny. So sure. I feel like, I feel like just casual conversation in a podcast, he would also, he would bring the hammer down on certain things, especially cultural issues. Sure. Um, sure. And then also be able to uh, just laugh and joke and carry Brett, on. Brett has a good question. If you had to pick a, a second favorite eschatology, what would it be? Well, I would pick amillennialism because it's almost good enough. <laughs> and I would, I would pick a historic post mill because it's just amill with more steps. <laughs> Uh, uh, Walmart or Walmart or target, Justin. Oof. Uh, I want to say target cause they have cooler clothes for my son. Yeah. I would say target because I'm willing to spend an extra $2 to not go to Walmart. <laughs> uh, Ooh, this is a really good question. Uh, there's a few Mom. other funny ones. Brad asks how I feel about shaking martinis. Um, don't, uh, the martini is, Ian Fleming forever ruined the martini when he asked, when he had 007 order it shaken, not stirred. The martini, there's nothing in that drink that demands shaking, and all you're doing is adding oxygen and diluting the drink. And and uh, a true classic martini should be two parts of two parts gin, one part vermouth, uh, and a couple dashes of a citrus bitter stirred with a lemon twist. Okay, um, now that I've gotten that controversial, what's your, not, what's your favorite non-reformed theologian? That's a really good most question. influential non-reformed theologian. I, see, I have two. Yeah, I'm leaning in the direction of A.W. Tozer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one of mine. Um, honestly, I really like as far so as far as a contemporary. Um, 
No, wait, I totally lost my train of thought. You go. <laughs> okay, so definitely Tozer, um, because he's just like a really, uh, just an inconsistent Arminian. He's basically a Calvinist. The way right. he speaks about God and his sovereignty, um, mm. but he's, he's just, he has this incredible respect and love for the Lord that it's just hard to hard to beat. And I, I think probably uh, for me, especially growing up in the Wesleyan church, it's probably John Wesley. Mm-hmm. Um, his focus on personal holiness is incredible. Uh, yeah. He was a contemporary of George Whitfield, uh, mm-hmm. and they were uh, they were they knew each other. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, I believe it was Tozer who spoke of Wesley, who said that he was not even going to see him in heaven because he's going to be so much closer to the throne of God yeah. because he's so focused on his holiness and yeah. and stuff. So um, and and so I've read some of his stuff, and I went to a Wesleyan school um, mm-hmm. where I learned a lot about the the history of the the Wesley brothers and Methodism and so on. Sure. Um, so definitely influential on me. Um, yeah which is uh, probably where my Congregationalist Baptist roots are uh, sure. as far as ecclesiology and things like that. So, um, but yeah, Wesley and, and Tozer are probably my two. Yeah. Chesterton. I'm going <laughs> to say Tozer. Um, and even though he's not uh, a theologian, I'm going to cop out and say C.S. Lewis, just because Lewis had such a profound imp- influence on my walk. Um, and the Lord used some of Lewis's, understanding and experiences to help me um yeah brett brett yeah i had it backwards closer, yeah. wesley said that at whitfield yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. but just uh, yeah their love for each other was great yeah uh, brad says narnia or the lord of the rings <laughs> speaking of c.s lewis transition time what do you think so this is really hard for me but i would have to say the lord of the rings simply because as much as i love c.s lewis there's something about J.R.R. Tolkien that I can't, uh, I just can't get away from. I keep coming back to his work. Yeah. Um, um, I've read multiple books about the two of them, and they're just fascinating figures and people that I can't wait to see in eternity. Yeah, absolutely, man. What about you? Absolutely. <laughs> I gotta say, I gotta say Tolkien, because between the two of them the one the ones that i found myself reading the most growing up over and over again was uh the lord of the rings the original hobbit was amazing um and so i kept coming back to the them and those characters and then uh, of course the films came out and and all that so um that's just kind of where i i air but i mean they're both they're both masterful yeah especially as a as as an author somebody who's written uh, myself written written several books yeah um I, I I'm just in awe of their writing several, Justin, how many? You said several. That sounds. Uh, our twentieth book is coming out uh, this year. Twentieth <laughs> anniversary in twenty twenty. Several. Yeah. So yeah, it's our it's our Ooh, twi- it's our twenty. Oh, Ooh, Star Wars is, eight or nine. That is, that is the most controversial question oh. of this entire live stream. Oh. <laughs> We're about to lose all our subscribers. Uh, unequivocally, for me, uh, the Last Jedi. We affirm. <laughs> yeah, uh, mm-hmm. I, we'll we'll probably do a patron exclusive about why the Last Jedi Ooh. is oh. the greatest Star Wars film since Empire. Good, uh, um, <laughs> good idea. Yeah, uh, as if we hadn't gotten patrons tonight. <laughs> I mean, if you guys, if you guys want to see the spice, if you guys want to hear my rationale for why I would I would vote for the la- the abomination uh, of the Last Jedi that ruined childhoods and destroyed. Uh, how dared you (laughs) join our uh patreon to see more uh on a scale of 9 to 11 how amazing is the return 
<laughs> I'm going to abstain from commenting because ultimately yeah. <laughs> I'm glad a lot of people really enjoyed it and my personal Indeed. feelings towards it uh, really aren't related to my feelings towards The Last Jedi. It's related towards just the quality of the, of the film. But anyways, yeah. what's up, guys? Uh, I, we, mm, <laughs> this is getting a little a little wild in here. It is. Unsubscribe, guys, dislike. Uh, no. Who wins, Bakum or Durbin? Oh, Bakum. I don't know. Well, I think it depends on... I think it depends on uh, on the context of the fight. That's fair. That's because totally fair. because you have you have different rules for martial arts versus um, what is Bakum? Is he what is he jujitsu? I don't even know what he's. I think Brazilian jujitsu. That sounds yeah. right. Someone's gonna um, know. So yeah. So uh, I, it really depends. I think on the context, and I know if, um, I, but I also know that uh, that Jeff carries a uh, firearm as well. So. <laughs> But so does Vody. <laughs> yeah, he probably does too. I think he uh, does. Oh, in the current, uh, someone's watching standing the, fight the Vody. films, um, the MCU films. Which is your favorite MCU film? I want to refund <laughs> my favorite M- Mar- Marvel uh, film. Yeah, probably the original Avengers film. Really, um, Joss Whedon <laughs> was one of the writers. He's one of my favorite uh, ever. And the humor was just right sure. in that film. So that's probably my favorite just as far as presentation goes um, overall. But of course, uh, I, I enjoyed the, the Thor movies. Yeah. Um, uh, but that's just because of my weird fascination with um, Norse mythology and sure. things like that. Yeah. Uh, uh, mine would be. I know yours. Go ahead. You know mine? I, I'm, I'm well, I'm. Go ahead. Just I, I'll see if I'm right. So I what I think is the best overall stand like if you were to stand it alone, but also best in the series um, for me is Winter Soldier. But as far as my most enjoyable, yeah. like the one that I will rewatch the most is honestly Endgame, um, just mm-hmm. because that okay. movie gives all the feels. So okay, That's there's fair. that. Um, That's fair. This is good. I so I am enjoying these these opposition questions, uh, but I am curious. Do you guys have any? Uh, whiskey or theology questions a few more questions in here a few more questions yeah and then i have a son to put to bed <laughs> that's true that's true uh what opposing theologians would you want to see debate eschatological views see i already i already saw that debate and i really liked it and i don't know i don't know what would be more entertaining than what was what was done um that is of course uh sam storm's Doug Wilson, I forgot the premillennial guy, uh, yeah. with with John Piper moderating an evening of yeah. eschatology, and it's super super fun. It's because um, neither it's because neither you or I were uh, our premillennialists, so we didn't ooh. focus in on. <laughs> Ted asks, uh, "Bunahaben twelve or classic Lottie from Brickalotic? I gotta go with Bunahaben twelve as much Buna as Haben I love the classic so Lottie. Bunahaben is better. So good. Uh, yeah. um, um, me and my wife grew up going different churches. Uh, both believe and practice speaking tongues. Now go to a Baptist church. This does not, you can't offend me, but I wonder your thoughts on the subject. Uh, Blake and I are both uh, in the camp of cessationists. Um, (laughs) So Blake, I don't know if you want to. Yeah, I'll, so I will, I'll give a brief rundown of that. Basically cessationism is often mischaracterized big time in the, and people will say, Oh, so you don't believe that God answers prayer. So you don't believe in miracles. So you don't believe in uh, in uh, any kind of working of the spirit today. So you believe, 
all these things. And, and none of that could be further from the truth. Um, cessationism simply means that the apostolic or the revelatory gift is the view that the revelatory gifts ceased at the close of the scriptural canon. There's exegetical reasons for that. We will talk about it in our episode on pneumatology in more depth. Um, but the affirmation is still God absolutely answers prayer and God does work extraordinarily over and against nature as he wills through Amen. broken human vessels to his glory. Um, it's just, those things aren't as normative. Yeah. Um, speaking yeah, specifically of tongues. Sure. Um, I think tongues are often misunderstood, uh, the way that I think you and I understand them biblically. Uh, we understand them as languages that are earthly languages that, uh, you otherwise did not learn or know. Um, so for example, if I started speaking, uh, Tagalog, <laughs> I, I don't know how to speak, uh, that, but, um, if I started sure. speaking that in the, in, for the purpose of sharing the gospel uh, mm-hmm. to someone or somebody heard, uh, in that language, right. um, Pentecost, they, they were, they were speaking languages and people were hearing in different languages. Sure. Uh, so, and, and to that, I will say, I have heard anecdotes and stories of individuals sure. doing exactly that, Precisely. of them being with somebody speaking to them in a language that that person has never spoken before. Um, yeah. But again, those are anecdotal things. And and if you read the Reformed Confessions, if you read Reformed Positions on this, if you read Cessationists, you will see that they will all hold, hey, look, no, we're not putting God in a box. Right. U- we're not saying God cannot or right. will not. U- ultimately, right. the idea is that it's not normative practice and uh, people are not given specific gifts uh, the way the apostles were. So sure. um, you're not given the gift of healing and you can just go and heal a whole wing of a hospital uh, right. or things like that right. because that's just um there was purposes for those specific sign gifts sure. um sure. Uh, certain offices are closed um right. you know being an apostle you had to be a witness for example of uh, the risen yeah. christ uh so you have the 12 and you have paul um sure. and so on so speaking of paul matt asks what bourbon would paul prefer do you think <laughs> uh probably the blue bourbon bash no i'm just kidding <laughs> that uh, would be heresy <laughs> yeah i think i think paul would be a uh Probably a maker's mark guy. That's fair. Just because fair. Uh, he bears the mark of his maker. Um, oh. Lagavulin is as amazing as Nick Offerman says, and more. It I is. have only visited a handful of distilleries. We are getting right to the end of this thing. So thank you guys so much for joining our first ever live episode. Um, With all these questions, we obviously we can't get to them all, but uh, if you do join our patron... You'll have more opportunities to ask us more questions uh, That's true. in the future. So it's going to be um, wild. For all of you guys that did join, seriously, a huge thank you. Yeah, uh, we got six new people on um, just from just from tonight, and that's amazing. You guys are awesome, and thank I you appreciate guys. you. And and we're that much closer to having a store. That's awesome. right. We'll keep you guys posted. Uh, we will announce the winner of the giveaway on next week's episode. Yes, um, and. So stay tuned for that, and then we'll post it in the group after that. Uh, thank you guys again for participating. Be sure, if you haven't already, to go like the Facebook page. Uh, we tagged it in the description, Distilling Theology. Um, and that way we're able to, uh, you know, the, the winner of the giveaway will will receive that. Uh, so it's going to be the Distilling Theology, Glenn Karen. Everyone's a Theologian by R.C. Sproul. 
and a field guide to whiskey by Hans Afranga. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. If you want to see more of these, let us know. If you want to see more of this content right now uh, and not wait like two months out for us to do another live episode, then join our Patreon. And uh, thank you again. Y'all are amazing. So Justin, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. Soli Deo Gloria.